Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. The true story is told of a woman who had finished shopping and returned to her car. She found four men inside the car. She dropped her shopping bags, drew a handgun out of her purse, and screamed, I have a gun, and I know how to use it. Get out of the car. And those men did not wait for a second invitation. They got out, and they ran like crazy. The woman, somewhat shaken, picked back up her grocery bags, loaded them, and got into the car. But she could not get her key into the ignition, no matter how she tried, and it puzzled her. And then it dawned on her. Her car was parked four or five spaces away. She loaded her grocery bags into her own car and then drove to the police station to turn herself in. The desk sergeant, to whom she told the story, nearly fell off of his chair laughing. He pointed to the other end of the counter where four men were reporting a carjacking by an old woman with thick glasses and curly white hair less than five feet tall, and carrying a large handgun. No charges were filed. You see, she thought it was her car, but it really belonged to someone else. Having trusted Christ as your Savior, we might mistakenly think that our lives are our own, but they really belong to God. We are redeemed. We are bought and paid for By the blood of Christ, we now belong to God, and we belong to Him forever. Israel was redeemed out of her bondage in Egypt, and she belonged to God. And the Passover marked a new beginning for the nation of Israel. And it's the same when you trust Christ as your Savior. It's a new beginning. God makes everything new at our salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. By the Passover, Israel was liberated from bondage in Egypt, and it was the dawning of a new day and the beginning of a new life for them as a nation. And it's the same when God liberates us from the bondage of our sins by the cross of Christ. We have new life in Him, and it can be the beginning of a whole new transformed life as we live for the One who bought us and set us free. Exodus 12, 1-3 reads, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. The Passover and Israel's deliverance from Egypt changed their reckoning of time. God commanded Moses and Aaron that Israel should count the month of their deliverance from Egypt as the first month of the year. This was so significant, so historic, 
that they needed to rearrange their calendar because of it. And thus Passover marked the beginning now of their religious year. And the Passover focused on the Lamb. So their year was to begin with the focus on the Lamb and to build their lives around the remembrance of when the blood was applied and their deliverance took place from bondage. And so it is with our redemption from our sins. Our freedom from sin's bondage is so significant that everything should change from that point forward. Life and how we live it and how we view it should be based around our new life in Christ and when the blood of Christ was applied to our hearts by faith. The focus of our days and of our years should be on the Lamb, on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should build our lives around the remembrance of our deliverance from our sins by Christ. Our redemption should dictate who we are and all that we do. Israel was enslaved by a powerful monarch in Egypt. Moses had told Pharaoh God's message to let my people go. But as we know, Pharaoh stubbornly would not. Pharaoh is a picture of sin and Satan who try to prevent the deliverance of their captives. Satan is determined to resist God and keep people in bondage to their sins. For there to be deliverance, there needed to be the shedding of blood and death. Thus God said in Exodus chapter 11, verses 4 to 6, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. On a certain night, death would visit the land of Egypt and visit every house. It was to take place in the darkness at midnight, and the eldest, the firstborn, and every family would suddenly die. Here in Exodus 12, Israel's redemption was at the door. But they were not automatically exempt from the last plague of the death of the firstborn. There was only one way of preventing this. And everyone who believed God and obeyed His instruction were delivered from the judgment of death. God's final judgment on Egypt was tempered with mercy and a perfect provision. The provision was a life for a life, a lamb to die in the stead of the firstborn. Death came to every single house in Egypt that night, Israel included. In each home there was either the death of the firstborn or the death of the lamb. And so the picture is, that we either experience spiritual eternal death ourselves or we trust God's promise and we trust the Lamb that He has provided who died in our stead, who shed its blood that we might live. The Passover teaches that there is only one way to be delivered from God's judgment of death and it is through the Lamb and through the application of its blood. The Passover did not take place until the 14th day of the month. But the lamb for the Passover needed to be observed for four days. 
Thus God's instruction for what Israel should do begins on the tenth day of the month. The detailed instructions for the Passover in Exodus 12 include what animal to select, when to kill it, what to do with its blood, how to cook it, what to do with its leftovers, and even how to dress for the meal. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Paul's Epistle to the Ephesians is a hardcover, 400-page commentary written by Pastor Paul M. Sadler. The book of Ephesians has been called the Alps of the Pauline Revelation. From the summit of this epistle, the reader can behold all the wonders of God's grace that are often obscured by the blinding blizzards of tradition and the commandments of men. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Exodus chapter 12, verses 5 to 6 read, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. The Israelites were then to observe and examine the lamb that they separated out, and to do that for four days to determine if it was suitable to be their Passover lamb. They needed to make sure it was perfect in every way and had no blemishes. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ was perfect, sinless, without blemish. He was born sinless through the miraculous conception of the Holy Spirit. And He lived a perfect, sinless life. Hebrews 4.15 says that Christ was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And again, as Peter wrote, Christ was a lamb without blemish and without spot. Peter later wrote in that epistle that Christ did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And the Apostle Paul wrote that Christ knew no sin. Christ was the perfect Lamb of God. Nothing but a perfect sacrifice could satisfy the requirements of God, who himself is perfect. One who had sin in himself could not pay for the sins of others. He would have to pay for his own sins. Thus, only one who was sinless could pay the sin debt of others. Only the sinless Son of God, incarnate, could offer an acceptable sacrifice for our sins. And this He willingly did for us out of His infinite love and grace. Christ also was observed for four days in Jerusalem after His triumphal entry and prior to His crucifixion. During those four days, he was tested, interrogated, and asked questions repeatedly, but none could find fault with him. He was asked questions about paying taxes, 
marriage and the resurrection, what the greatest commandment was. At the end of this time, Matthew twenty-two forty-six reads, And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Christ passed every test. He was perfect in every way. Before moving on to the next verse, we'd like to call attention to a progression here in verses 3, 4, and 5. In verse 3, it's called, the, the lamb for the Passover is called a lamb. In verse 4, it's called the lamb. In verse 5, it's called your lamb. It goes from an unknown entity to knowing about it to being your personal lamb. So it goes from distance to closeness, from just being a lamb to being the lamb to being your lamb. And that's often how it goes with people's observation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many see him as just another person, just just a lamb. Then they might go to the next step of seeing Christ as the lamb, that he is God's son and the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But deliverance from sin doesn't come until you see Him as your Lamb. That He is your Lamb personally. That He is your personal substitute who took your place and died for you and for your sins personally. During the period of close observation, they fed and they cared for the Lamb. By the end of the fourth day, it would have won the affection of the entire household And as you can imagine, especially the children. And that perfect lamb, by that point, after those four days, would have become your lamb. Being their lamb, each member of that household would have felt its death on their behalf. Seeing that innocent young lamb shed its blood to save their firstborn. And God means for us to feel the death of Christ on our behalf. He wants us to feel Christ's sacrifice made for us personally as our lamb. This can result in change to our lives as we feel that weight and we feel the gravity, we feel the love, and we feel the grace of Christ's death for us. Because He was innocent. He was perfect. He came to this world out of love for us. And he, God wants us to look at the cross by faith. And He wants us to see the agony He experienced, the blood He shed, the pain of Him being forsaken by His Father, and see the death that He died. And know that He willingly did that for you and for me. It's because that He loved me that He gave Himself for me. He did it so you and I would be delivered from the wrath of God. The Passover was instituted by God as a day that would be unto Israel for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever, verse 14 of chapter 12 says. This remembrance of Israel's deliverance from bondage in Egypt and their new life was to never end. And likewise, the remembrance of our new life in Christ and the deliverance from the bondage of our sins by the cross will never, ever end. The cross is here in the pages of Scripture so that we will never forget. 
God's Word is eternal. And for eternity, we will never forget. And when we see our Savior personally, and we see His nail-scarred hands and His nail-scarred feet throughout eternity, we will never forget His sacrifice for us. People say, remember the Alamo, and they forget. They say, remember Pearl Harbor, and they forget. They say, remember 9-11, and they forget. But as believers, we will never forget the cross. Next, the Lord instructed Moses, And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. That word evening there is interesting in the Hebrew. It means between the evenings or between two evenings. The Jews divided the day into morning and evening. And their days went from evening to evening. And they did that because God created the night first and then the day. After sunrise till noon, all of that was morning. After that, all was evening. Their first evening began just after 12 noon and continued till sunset. Their second evening and their new days began at sunset. Thus, the killing of the Passover lamb was done between the evenings, or afternoon and before sunset, in the beginning of the second evening, while it was still the fourteenth day of the first month. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the Passover lamb, died during this time as well, between noon and sunset on the Passover just after 3 p.m. Exodus 12, verses 7 to 8 read, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. After killing the Passover lamb, they were to take its blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of the houses. Verse 22 teaches that they were to do this by taking a bunch of hyssop and dipping it in the blood that is in the basin, verse says. Interestingly, when Christ cried out, I thirst at the cross, a hyssop branch was used to lift a sponge filled with vinegar to him so he could drink. Hyssop was present at the fulfillment of the death of the true Passover lamb. God specified that lamb should be killed and that the blood of the Passover lamb from the basin should be applied to the doorposts on each side and at the top. The basin, in verse 22, was not a container in the sense that we use the word basin today. It speaks of the threshold of the home. This was a ditch which was dug just in front of the doorways of houses to avoid flooding in the house. Israelites were being taught to kill their lambs by their doors. The blood from the lamb would then run into the depression at the threshold. Then they were to take their hyssop brush, as it were, and dip it into that threshold, into the basin, and then strike the lintel, and then strike each side post of the door. The blood had to be applied 
for them to be saved and safe from the destroyer. The death of the lamb alone would not do. Its blood had to be applied as God instructed. Christ died for all, and he has shed his blood for our redemption. But it is not until that blood is applied to your soul by trusting that he died for your sins and rose again that you are saved from God's judgment of eternal death. The Lord told Israel in verse 13, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. When God saw the blood on the doorposts of the homes of the Israelites, His judgment passed over them. The blood was the only means of deliverance from wrath and death. And in this we have a principle that is just as true for us, the body of Christ, and is why our Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5-7, For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. When we trust Christ as Savior, the blood of Christ is applied to our hearts. And now forever, God sees that blood applied to our hearts, and thus His judgment passes over us. And we are safe forever from His judgment, saved from eternal death, and we live. Exodus 12, verse 8 reads, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. The Lord instructs Israel to eat that night after killing the Passover lamb and applying the blood to their doorposts. They were to eat the lamb, as well as unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They were to roast the lamb over fire. They were told here in these verses not to eat it raw and not to boil it. The animal was to be prepared whole, his head with his legs. Verse 46 of this chapter says, Neither shall ye break a bone thereof. No bones were to be broken in the Passover lamb. And this was fulfilled by Christ, the Passover lamb, at the cross of Calvary. As the true Passover lamb, Psalm 34:20, prophesied of Christ and his cross, he keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. And then at the cross, when they broke the legs of those who were crucified with Christ to hasten their deaths because of the Sabbath day that was fast approaching, John 19, uh, 33 and 36 reads, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. For these things were done, that the scriptures should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. Israel was taught in the Passover to fully consume the lamb that, that night, and uh, that any leftovers were to be burned up from the lamb. The lamb was so special that it could not be treated like ordinary food. It was treated in a special way because it pictured the most special one of all, uh, the Son of God. 
The lamb was roasted with fire. The whole lamb was to be consumed. Any leftovers were to be burned with fire. Fire in Scripture speaks of the judgment of God. And as Christ was made sin for us, He suffered the fire of God's wrath and judgment against our sins at the cross. As the lamb was completely used up and burned, it reminds us how Christ's sacrifice was an all-consuming, complete sacrifice. It reminds us how He gave everything for each of us in dying for our sins. Exodus 12, verse 29 reads, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. The plague of death of the firstborn took place just as God promised. From the throne room in Egypt to its dungeons and everyone in between, all the firstborns died. All except those who had the blood of the Lamb applied to the doorposts of their homes. It was a night of judgment, but the substitutionary death of the Passover Lamb brought safety to those who applied the blood to their doorposts. The blood of the Lamb applied made them safe. Their trust in God's promise made them sure, and God was faithful to His word. When the Israelites shed the blood of the lamb at the door and then applied that blood at the top of the doorpost and on the two sides, it pictured the cross. As that blood was applied on the two side posts, it was a picture of the outstretched arms and nail-pierced hands of the Savior. And as the blood was applied to the top of the doorpost, it pictured his head, on which was his crown of thorns, which was driven into his head by a soldier hitting him across the head with a stick after that crown had been placed on his head. As the lamb had its blood shed at the base of the door, it pictured his nail-pierced feet. And as the blood ran and dripped down from the top doorpost to the threshold below, and the blood was on the two side posts, you have a beautiful picture of the cross. And you have a picture of how the blood ran down and how the blood was shed from our Savior, the Lamb of God, at Calvary to the ground below. Those inside that blood-sealed door on that Passover night were safe. They were protected by the blood. And God's judgment passed over them. And the next morning they left their bondage in Egypt redeemed by the sacrificial blood of the Lamb. We too have been redeemed by the sacrificial blood of of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are free from our sins, safe in Christ. We belong to God. Out of gratitude for all of this, may we live a transformed life in the new life that we have in Christ. Thank you for watching Transformed by Grace. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. 
The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.